Welcome to the Movement PT Coffee Cast, where we sit down and talk about physical therapy, health, and whatever else comes to mind during our coffee-infused conversations. Welcome to the PT Coffee Cast. I'm Dalton, and beside me, as always, my bearded friend, William. Will, what's going on? What's going on, everyone? So, are you as pumped as I am for I'm so today? Pumped. So pumped. Let's, let's let everyone know who we got on the line today. All right. Today, we have none other than Nick St. Louis from the Foot Collective. You guys might have uh, seen some of his posts on all things related to feet. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, Nick? Not much, man. Thanks for having me, guys. No problem. Yeah, we're no we're excited. We're excited. Cool. Let's I love I love this platform. I love this modern day age where you can anyone can whip up a podcast and spit their mind. And if you got good content, it just kind of rolls onto itself. And I think uh, as young physios, you guys have a massive opportunity to kind of decipher, you know, make a connection and let the world know what you're learning in physio and where the gaps are and. Uh, I think, you know, keeping it informal. I like the name. I almost made a, a year ago, I almost made a podcast. I was going to call it the Tempering Rantcast. And I was going to sit down in front of a camera and stick a 85-pound tempering tube on my quads and just rant about how pissed I was about the physio world. I didn't end up doing it, but... That's I epic. I, I think you should go through with that. <laughs> I got too much other shit going on. We're going to fire up a podcast, though, in the next couple months. Uh, but it'll, it'll probably be... A, it might turn in a little bit ranty, but... Uh, it's all right. Well, everyone's got a rant. Yeah, everyone needs yeah. a rant. Exactly. Sometimes you got to let it out, you know? So on that note, why don't you just give us a little rant on who you are and what you're doing? Uh, yeah, so I'm Nick St. Louis. I'm a uh, practicing physical therapist in Ottawa, Canada. Uh, I work out of Optimized Physio and Sport Medicine. And, uh, and in that same location, we kind of operate the Foot Collective. So we don't treat feet specifically, uh, but we get a lot of people coming to us for their feet. So, and then we're starting to do... Uh, seminars around the world now. So we got a 2018 tour planned and dates are filling in. And um, yeah, I'm just wow. kind of a foot nerd and I like movement. I'm a movement nerd and a foot nerd and uh, I'm always learning. I ref- anyone calls me an expert, I tell them I don't know who they're talking about because I will. I refuse to ever be considered an expert. Um, I think you just got to be hungry to keep learning and get better. And I think people get too comfortable, especially in a profession like ours. And I think that's a big reason why, um, you know, some, some, you know, the curriculum in particular and in the majority of clinics are kind of stuck in the stone age of physio and they need to get their head out of their ass a little bit. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. That's kind of honestly like the framework of why we started this and we want to cool. get that exact thing out of people like you and other, and other practicing clinicians around Canada and, you know, even into the United States, wherever. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think the trend is coming around. You see a lot more of it now. Uh, the United States is definitely ahead of us in, in the game. I think, well, they just have more people. So there might not be a larger majority of people doing this stuff, but you hear about more people. And I think it's just a factor of being more physios down there. But um, yeah, like there's so much potential for this profession. And I think we're not capitalizing on any of it. And, uh, and, and we're kind of, I think we're really losing the faith of the public in terms of the effectiveness of physical therapy. And I think it's a shame because we have a massive amount of ability to help people um, not just control their symptoms, which is I think what most clinics are doing right now, but 
understand why they have symptoms in the first place and let them know that you can be 90 with zero problems with your body as long as you know the right stuff to be doing. And, and that doesn't involve sitting for most of your day. So I think we, you know, I probably tend to be <laughs> more on the blunt edge of the spectrum in terms of, you know, I'm polite with patients, but I also don't bullshit them. And I don't, um, I make sure to overemphasize why they're coming to see me more so than the symptoms they have or this weird fancy long word that a doctor might have said that they have with a certain joint. Um, I, I really think we need to empower people with understanding their bodies because it's not that complex. Um, you know, you can go as deep as you want in the rabbit hole of, of specifics with the body in terms of anatomy and pathology and stuff. But at a base element, you know, kids can learn the basics of how to stay healthy in uh, high school physical education. Like, why isn't that being done? And it's just, it's, yeah. it's a lot of potential on one hand, but also a lot of frustration in the fact that when you see this and you're like, what the hell? Um, so, yeah. For sure. Yeah. I think, uh, that's it. We, I think we agree on the fact that there's just a lot of mixed signals. I feel like coming from many directions in the physical therapy world, like mm-hmm. someone saying this, someone saying that. So what, what, what comes to your mind when you hear like the world, the word physical therapy, like what does that mean to you? I think a, f- a physical therapist and, and I would kind of wrap up, you know, I'm of the mindset that if you go see a health professional, if they are a massage therapist, if they're a chiropractor, if they're a physical therapist, if you get, if, if those pe- if you can tell the difference between each of those people when you go see them, then there's a problem. We should all be on the same page. We should all be people that educate humans about how they move, about the things that harm them in their day-to-day life that cause the problems. So, you know, I, I think we have the capacity to just educate. We're ed- we should be educators. Educate people on how to get out of symptoms, on how to avoid your body breaking down, uh, on how to train properly, on how to move properly. And I, I, I really think education should be the primary role of our profession because the fact of the matter is people don't get better by coming to see you. They get better by learning from what you say and implementing it when they're not in the clinic. You know, I see people once a week until they're on the right track and, and they're doing well. And then I only see them if, if they need any extra help, uh, if things aren't going to plan. And, and honestly, some of that, most of that is one or two visits and then they're on the right track. They have the routine, they work on it and they might touch in, you know, come see me like a month later, a couple months later. Um, or if, if things aren't progressing in the right direction. And I think that's the format we have to work in. Um, you know, a city like Ottawa, where I live, big time federal government town, lots of benefits. People really don't have, they don't care as much where their money is going or what they're getting for their money because a lot of these people aren't paying out of pocket for these right. uh, services. And I think that's part of the problem where, why Ottawa is so, so crazy in terms of how shitty the physio scene is here. And, um, but I think, I think we need to be educators. That's the biggest, first and foremost, we need to be educators. Um, and yes, there's an element of hands-on and treating people, but you know, building independence by saying that you have, that your hands are the tools that's going to cure everything in someone, I think is a false premise. And I think it, it breeds a dependence that's not healthy and it's not sustainable in a healthcare system. So, um, yeah, it has to shift towards education. Totally. Yeah, for sure. And I think, and, go ahead. And that, that's kind of beauty with the beauty, sorry to interrupt you. That's kind of the beauty with social media, right? Is now you literally have a platform where you can access any human in the world that has a basic app. Uh, like Instagram and you can communicate to them, um, which, yeah, it has its downfalls. You know, the fact that everyone has a voice regardless of, you know, <laughs> how well they know the body, but they can kind of speak their mind is fine. And I think you have to be careful as someone that uses social media to make sure that it's not, um, you know, social media is this weird thing. I, I think it hacks our human, our human desire 
for social acceptance to a level that I don't even think the people that created these apps understand how insane they are and how addictive they can be and all these kind of things. But I do think that when you understand that and you defend against that and use it appropriately, it can be just this beautiful outlet for education to help people that, um, without charging them, without them having to buy a bunch of your stuff, just with, you know, give people good information and they can make the good decisions all on their, all on their own. So I think that's, you know, if someone's given the right information, they're the only ones that can decide whether they implement that information or not. The big problem is most people aren't getting good information. That's the craziest shit is like people, health professionals, um, are giving advice a lot of times that, uh, you know, I don't claim to know everything, but I know that the basics of how the body works and how to improve it should be kind of consistent across all realms of health professionals, whether that's, you know, even down to personal trainers, physical therapists, um, doctors, like why isn't everyone on the same page speaking the same language? Cause there's really only one language that we should be speaking. It's the language of movement. Um, and, and under that heading is, is, you know, mobility is, um, loading joints and all that kind of stuff. But really if you move well, you stay out of trouble in terms of your health and, uh, at least in the orthopedic sense. And, and I really think mental health, um, and also the other systems in the body, like cardiovascular system, all these things, um, they all tie are very, very closely tied to your, to your physical health. So it's all, that's why we have so much potential. You know, you can, you can literally, and we're trying to build a platform at Optimize in Ottawa where we're not just treating physical problems, we're treating mental issues. Like I treat people, you know, there's another physio that has a patient right now who is a psychologist and he is literally the psychologist's psychologist teaching him how to breathe and reduces stress and sleep. And that's wild. And it's just crazy. It's like no one, Yeah. it's, you assume everyone knows this stuff, but a lot of people aren't on the same page. Yeah. I think, I think we're, we have more, like we're, we can be more powerful than we think in a lot more ways than just being able to sit there and diagnose someone with a specific like musculoskeletal problem mm-hmm. and trying to, you know, quote unquote, fix it. It's like simple things, right? Like, like do you find you're, you're almost spending more time just like unraveling like negative beliefs and then educating them more than anything? For sure. Half the time I spend is just telling them that what they were told is false. Um, and, and some of that is part of the reason that they think they have so many problems because they've been labeled as having this or that or this or that. And they're like, they feel helpless because they're like, shit, I got all these things in my body. Um, what am I supposed to do? I'm, it's like, I'll just take pain pills and pretend and pain pills and pretend doesn't exist. So you got it. Like a lot of it is just reversing the labels that they've been given and you know what the brain does with those labels in terms of if you think you have some weird disease in your knee that you don't understand that has some fancy word that a doctor told you yeah, and that someone else, you know, had that same thing and is now has a fake knee and can't do all their sports. Yeah. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt like hell. Not because there's a massive structural component because it's a huge threat to your well being. Yeah. Um, but yeah. when you're described, okay, that fancy word is really just irritation at that joint and it's happening because you're overusing it because your hips don't work. Yeah. I'm going to show you how to get your hips working. This is what you have to do long term to make sure they stay working and then you don't have any problems. That person immediately has less pain because it's not as big of a threat. Right. Yeah, it's funny so, to say that we I you see that in in physical therapy school all the time like I swear like at one point we were learning about like the lumbar spine and like sciatica and like everyone in our class came down with a case of sciatica. It's like <laughs> you left it right and everyone's like, "Oh, oh I got sciatica. Oh, I got sciatica pain." It's like <laughs> It just goes to show you 
kind of right there how, you know, the mind plays a, a, a powerful role in how we interpret things for sure. Because you know, not every single one of those persons people had, you know, a bulging disc that's causing sciatica to go down their leg. Yeah. Yeah, pain science is very interesting. I mean, it's um, actually, I'm, I'm about to start a book called You Are the Placebo. And it essentially talks about the power of the mind um, in controlling symptoms and in, in determining your health. Like some of the stuff sounds, you know, Mike read the book and he told me about it. And some of the stuff sounds kind of woo-woo, but it's a science-based book. You know, for example, people literally thinking their tumors away. Like this is, it's kind of weird shit, but you know, in line with the whole Wim Hof thing, we have much more control over our bodies and our immune system and our, uh, our systemic functions than, than we might think, right. you know, and I think 10 years from now, this conversation could be very different, um, in terms of understanding the, the rationale behind the rationale behind why we have all this power that we never tapped into. So it'll be interesting to see where things go. For sure. Going, going off that, like we kind of, another goal of our, like the podcast is kind of get out some information that like, you know, current physical therapists are taking in. So like example, you just gave us that book. Is there anything else that, like that you, that you're keeping an eye on in terms of like a blog, podcast, research, mm -hmm. anything like that? Um, I'm always, I'm always on the lookout for new stuff. I mean, you can only, you can only consume so much knowledge at a given time, but I think it's always good to have a couple books on the go. Um, podcasts, I, I listen, like anytime I'm in my car, I have a podcast in my ears almost always. So I think there's a lot of downtime, um, that you can fill, you know, with the folk collective when I'm fulfilling orders, you know, I print off all the labels that involves some kind of brain power in putting weights and dimensions and stuff. But after that, when it's packaging, it's literally just slap the labels on the bags and tape them up and it's kind of mindless work. So firing up a podcast with that is, you know, or audible, like audiobooks is a really easy way to just keep the knowledge flowing into your brain and, you know, regardless of how much you absorb of it, you might hear something once in a while and you're, you know, take it in, internalize it, process it with what you already know. And it's, um, I think the access to information is so insane nowadays that it's almost hard to find out <laughs> what to consume. Right. Um, I really started nerding out on sleep lately. Yeah. Now um, your post about that. Yeah. Why we sleep the book by Matthew Walker is a, uh, it's a badass book. I got to read it again. Cause I, I think when I read a book the first time, I absorb about 20%. Yeah. I read it again, I absorb maybe another 20%. So it takes a few reads sometimes to really clue in on some of the um, the kind of crazy things and, and the depth of, of what he's talking about. But, you know, I I definitely, I've always know I've always asked about sleep with patients in my assessment. I've always kind of understood sleep probably more than the average uh, physical therapist. After reading this book, I realized how little I knew about it and how many things can be brought back to lack of sleep. You know, especially in dementia and mental dysfunction in older patients. Um, you know, if you don't sleep, if you don't have a healthy sleeping pattern throughout the bulk of your life, things like um, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, cancer, heart, heart issues, um, depression, anxiety. Like these are all things that are almost, that are directly related to lack of sleep. Yeah. Among, I'm not saying it's the only factor, but it's a way bigger one than I ever thought. Um, factor with pain in general too, right? For sure. You know, if you're redlining your body and it doesn't have a chance to recover, whether that's mentally or physically, um, which is what happens when you sleep, then you're always on the threshold of, of like something small can turn into something massive just because you're already redlining your body. So it's, it's much more interesting than I, than I had initially thought. So well, patient comes into the door or, you know, just the person uh, comes to the door and you, you kind of highlight sleep as kind of, one of the contributing factors to what's going on with them. Like what would just be some simple 
advice you would offer them just about sleep, like looking mm-hmm. to get a little bit better sleep. Yeah, like tangible advice. And I think that's that's important, right? Because I don't go – I'm not a sleep expert. I don't – the no. bulk of my assessment is to deal with whatever issues they're coming in to see me for. But um, I ask a few simple questions. One, I ask how many hours of sleep do you get per night on average? And if they kind of pause and kind of <laughs> look up a little bit, I say, what time do you go to bed? What time do you wake up? And once we get an idea of how much sleep they have, if they're getting more than seven per night, then I don't really talk much more about it. The only other question I ask is what position do you sleep in? Um, and the stomach sleeping position is the one I tell them to avoid. And it doesn't matter what kind of mattress or pillow you have. Just don't sleep on your stomach and get ideally eight hours, but definitely more than seven. That's my personal, based on all the knowledge that I've consumed about sleep, that's my personal recommendation based on kind of what I've been reading. Um, and if someone says, Oh, I I got five hours, I get five hours of sleep or something like that. And (laughs) the funny ones are the ones that say, I get five hours of sleep, but I don't need any more. And then you look at them, they got like massive bags under their eyes. They're like, tell you a little bit about what's happening. And it just sounds so insanely stressed and like, you know, they breathe, they don't even know their diaphragm exists. It looks like, so (laughs) like people don't know that people don't know how bad lack of sleep is a lot of times, even if they have lack of sleep. So. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's kind of funny how it like goes back to the fundamentals of, of things that like, you know, everyone knows you need to get sleep. Everyone knows you need to be eating, you know, a well-balanced diet. Everyone knows you need to be getting a decent amount of exercise, you know, but in, and people are like so surprised that that's like the answer when you yeah. tell them stuff. I know, I know it's crazy. Coffee at 420 <laughs> yeah. in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, okay, so one thing about coffee that I didn't learn Caffeine has a half-life of seven hours, which means that seven hours after you consume coffee, half of the caffeine is out of your system. That's a long fucking half-life. I did not know that. So I've eliminated, well, some days I do if I kind of need a little boost, but it's not the regular thing and it's a, it's a kind of an outlier. Um, no coffee afternoon and after 12 noon. Um, you know, is you <laughs> some people just, some people could just pass out. And, and yeah. that's fine. And I, I find with myself, coffee affects me maybe more than the average person. Um, but, you know, they, they talk about that in uh, Why We Sleep. They talk a lot about uh, LED lights, yeah, which, yeah. Was, which kind of blew my mind. Uh, they talk about coffee. Um, they talk about, yeah, just a bunch of different things. It's a really good book. It's, a, it's, a, it's really not a, a heavy book in terms of terminology. Like, I think the guy did a really good job. But the guy's like a savant when it comes to sleep. Um, and he did a good job of making it like readable by the everyday person, but I was really, I was shocked. Like literally the day <laughs> I read this book on the way home from a conference that we had and I think it was in, uh, was in California. So I read the, I like, I like reading on planes. I think I can, I can just blast out like half a book on a plane ride if it's decent length. Um, and I think when I, as soon as I landed, I called my mom and I called my dad. I was like, how many hours sleep do you get per night? <laughs> and instantly I was like, you got to get eight. No excuses. This is non-negotiable. So I really, yeah, I, I love learning shit like that. You know, when you, when something blows your mind that you didn't know that is profoundly important for the health of the human machine, it's like, it's, yeah. I instantly want to tell people, this is like the reaction I had initially with feet. And I still have that reaction when I, I every six months I, I learn a totally different set of knowledge when it comes to even something as simple as foot health. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that's, that's something like, personally for me that like really motivates me about this profession is like, I think I heard someone say this somewhere, but like we can literally wake up every day and still like know nothing and learn Mm -hmm. something new every single day. And like, to me, that's like very like humbling. And I think it, it like also provides us with a great like avenue to push our profession like forward. True. 
to like, you know, keep helping people in, in as many ways as we can. And I wish more people shared that mindset because it doesn't seem like that's the majority. Um, but I, I think you're right in that it's one of the biggest professions that you can push evolution of effectiveness like super quickly because there's so much information available and because if you treat in an orthopedic setting and you're seeing maybe, you know, eight to 10 patients a day, that's just like every person is an individual experiment to experiment with different techniques and see what the result is and slowly dial in towards the most effective way of treating a certain, um, you know, I say pathology, but really uh, treating a certain movement dysfunction that can create a pathology. So it's like a, it's like a lab, right? We call our, our clinic, the movement dojo or the movement lab in that, Every person we see is a chance to get better at, at how you treat a dysfunction. And, uh, and if you take that mindset, you know, it's also a profession where people can get super comfortable, right? It pays well. Yeah. Yeah. People are going to come see you. They're breaking down. You can do the old same shit and people still come because they think it's working. And I think that's unfortunately, or the other side of that is you work in a clinic where you have to see four people an hour and you can't treat effectively. It's yeah, no literally the, the model, the business model they use forces you to see so many people in a short period of time that it's prohibitive to do effective treatment and actually educate someone in 15 minutes. It, it really is. And I think that's the biggest impediment to this profession actually getting the faith back and, and of the people is we need to, the college of physiotherapists needs to actually do something. Like what are they, apart from taking your money every year, what I really see no tangible, and maybe it's just because I'm not looking into it, but you would think that, you know, amount of time spent with each patient should be a pretty strict regulation, making sure that, okay, you're not allowed to see four people at once. Yeah. That's, that's bullshit. Yeah. And it, it gives a lot of, you know, that's a money, straight up money grab. It's really not, you know, stick an ultrasound and stim on them for the other 45 minutes and like you, you're it's ripping people off and it really is kind of shitty to see. Um, you know what too? Honestly, I feel like also on, on actually our part as providers, given that you actually care about people, I feel like mm -hmm. that can contribute to burnout because you just don't For sure. feel like you're actually helping people. You're just going through the motions. And if you're 100%. like that, that affects you. Well, when you're treating and you know there's something better, but your hands are cuffed and you have no ability to do anything else and you're too, um, conservative to to basically quit the shitty work environment that you're in yeah for the fear that you might not find something instantly that will allow you to make the same amount of money you know take the leap or or better yet why why are business people that aren't even physical therapists able to own a clinic that is the biggest like this is not a very like my mom's a pharmacist to be to own a pharmacy you need to be a pharmacist this makes sense why? Because pharmacists have the interest of being, of helping people, right? right? A businessman yeah. looks at numbers and you know, these people aren't evil, but if that's the only metric you're looking at, yeah. the healthcare system, especially physio is ripe for the taking to just extract as much money as possible um, with no fucks given to how people do. So sure. Sure. it's a big, it's a disconnect. Like that's another, like I just, sometimes I think, okay, if I was this, if I was the head of this, you know, Canadian Physiotherapy Association for one day, what are the easiest to implement changes that I would put in place right now? And it would be only allowing physiotherapy clinics to own by to be owned by physical therapists. And number two, it would be putting restrictions on eliminating 
modalities that we know are ineffective. So get rid of ultrasound, get rid of stim, get rid of this bullshit that has zero research credibility to actually do anything other than give people short-term relief, which you can like rub, rub your own area, rub your own shoulder. That does exactly what stim does. You know, there, you saved some money. Um, and, and force and put a regulation in place to say that one physical therapist can only see one patient at a time with a minimum appointment time of 30 minutes. Those aren't hard regulations to implement and they're not harsh and they're only going to, they're only going to get rid of all the bullshit companies that are out there. They're not going to impact the people that are actually, you know, whether it's physio owned uh, clinics or people that have the interest of helping people, they're just going to get rid of all the bullshit places. So right. yeah, it definitely weeds out the people that aren't in it for the right reasons for sure. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I feel bad. Like I have friends that work in some of these clinics and I, I really do you know. I feel bad for them. They, they have bills that they need to pay. They need to work. Um, but it's just the, I don't know. They just don't want to seem to take the leap to something they know is going to be better. Uh, I don't know if it's that they don't know what the potential is, um, or they're scared to have to learn from scratch or they're so heavily invested in the way they're treating now, you know, whether it's through manual therapy or whatever it might be. Probably a combo. combo I think, yeah, I think it is a combo. I really, I do definitely. Yeah. And lack Um, of places that, that, you know, foster this mindset, lack of business opportunities or, or, um, employment opportunities that share this mindset because it is the minority. I, I'm speaking only for Ottawa, but I have friends in Toronto. I know it's the same thing. Yeah. Um, and I saw a little bit of it in London when I worked there. So, yeah, yeah you kind of answered our question. We were, we were going to ask you what you thought uh, we need to do to push the profession forward. I think that was a, a, a good way to cover some of it. Um, what do you think about um, in like your humble opinion, what needs to be added into the physical therapy education in terms of like what they need to be t- teaching students and preparing us for to get out there. Like I know it hasn't been that long since you graduated from, from the, from Western. So mm-hmm. I feel like you're a good person that could speak on because you kind of well, know what, what, what we're doing. Man, like it's, it needs to be completely rethought from the ground up in my opinion. And I, I'm speaking only for the orthopedic um, section of physical therapy. I'm not speaking for acute care or cardio rest because those weren't my, weren't my realms. And as someone that doesn't practice in those realms, I have no idea whether what they're teaching is effective or not. I I, I would assume. Yes. That's what we're referring to. Yeah. So I think, you know, and as a, as a precursor Mm -hmm. to this, I I really, uh, you know, as someone that went to Western and, you know, knowing that this might eventually go out and be heard by people at Western. I loved that school, that program, those teachers. I really think those people are trying to do good and help us become as effective as possible. For sure. I just, I just think it has to be completely rebuilt from the ground up. I really do. I, I, I think it's so outdated what they're teaching so much so that, that to try and, to try and polish it, you know, <laughs> without trying to sound too coarse, but to try and polish a turd is not going to do anything to, to progress things forward. You need to literally say, this was a curriculum we had. It's shit. It's not preparing people to be effective. It's not giving people, you know, the fact that I spent two months memorizing parameters of an ultrasound machine or a stim machine, um, which by the way, I can pull my phone out and look up anytime I want. Like it's a waste of my hard drive in my brain. Um, and I had never heard the word hinge. I never was told how to assess a squat. Um, I was never told about the emphasis that should be placed on the harmful effects of sitting. Like these were never even talked about. And I, I really think that's a big disappointment because that's the, you know, we give a one day, eight hour course and you guys both came. Yeah, and we've done that at uh, a lot of the big Canadian physiotherapy universities. We've done it for um, 
physio physios that are practicing and even personal trainers. And we're going to start doing them for, uh, for family medicine doctors. This is a simple, a simple premise on just movement and mobility and how it affects people's, um, people's health, right? Like how do we prevent problems from happening instead of just chasing the pain all the time and really not getting much in terms of results. And so I think, you know, the start of it would probably be an elective on movement because I don't see, you know, obviously the, uh, the dream, you know, the best case scenario is to rethink the whole program, but that's an unlikely possibility. I think, um, probably the top thing would be a movement elective, uh, movement and mobility. And, you know, I don't know how many classes you have an elective. I took one on, uh, I think phar- pharmacology or something like that. So there's a decent amount of classes and that alone, you know, what we teach in an eight hour course, you can extrapolate that and expand on it to, you know, um, you know, maybe 20 hours of, of class time. If it's, you know, or maybe even, uh, you know, six, three hour sessions or something like that, you can teach so much and make people feel so much more prepared for practicing people in real with, you know, to treating people in real life. I just don't know why it's not being done. Yeah. To go off, like, I mean, we took your, your course you guys had and like some of our classmates did as well. And I mean, that was like what one day, eight hour course and like, yeah feedback that we got from, you know, some of our classmates was so positive that like, you know, it was only eight hours and people are talking about how much they learned and took away from it that they felt like they could go and implement, you know, when they went out on their clinical placements and stuff like, it's not like it's that hard, you know what I mean? To yeah. put something like that together, yeah. like a, an elective class to start and then progress, you know, from there. And I think, yeah, I, I, I also think that, you know, one good thing that we tried to really do with Optimize Academy is not, not have it be a dogmatic system, right? It's not like, you know, I shit on manual therapy a lot because I really think that <laughs> it's just, it pigeonholes people and it's like misplaced precision is the way I call it. Like mobilizing someone's T4, T5 joint in, in, in a micro mobilization that I don't even think most people know what they're doing, even at the highest level is that really going to help them get out of pain or do you have to talk about how to mobilize their own spine at home and how to avoid getting your spine so locked up that it starts to give you pain? Like it's just, it misses out on the big picture, I think. So, you know, with our course, we, even though it's an optimized Academy course, it's not this rigid system, right? Every year me and Mike review the course and uh, we just did a review on the manual and we, we, completely like switched over, turned around a lot of the stuff in there. Um, just because we, not that the old stuff is bad, but we just learned better ways or, or, or more effective ways of treating certain dysfunctions or teaching people how to, um, how to kind of address these issues. So, you know, I, I always say this in the courses, if you show me a better way to do something tomorrow, I'm going to do it that way. Yeah. Right. I'm not going to say it's my way or the highway, or this is the way I just teach stuff that I've seen work on people in clinic. And, there's a lot of different ways to get from point A to point B. And if someone gets to point B and is effective and helps someone, it really doesn't matter how they did it. I want to know how they did it because I want to see if I could try it and maybe it's more effective than the way I do it. But I think these dogmatic systems where there's different levels you go through, um, it's one specific system that focuses on a very small spectrum of what we need to know as physios and, um, you know, something like manual therapy. You're literally only teaching what you can do to someone when you see them. You know, I'm sure they teach a bunch of stuff to get people to do at home, but like, how about we teach people independence instead of teaching people dependence on, on these magical hands that we have, um, that fix that, that are like magician hands. It's, it's just, it's one of those things. It's another frustration. (laughs) (laughs) 
for sure. Yeah, for sure. I wanted to ask you something about the uh, optimized course specifically that stuck with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that I thought that was really cool was how you and Mike and you guys at Optimize and Book Collective, uh, you really try to just take people and just get them to do something they didn't think they could do. Mm-hmm. Can you speak to that a little bit, like what that might look like at your clinic? Yeah, so we're at the clinic. We're opening a new expansion um, for just for a little bit more space, like a bigger movement area. We're going to have a, a float therapy tank and uh, have a little footwear store at the front. Our new standard, I'll give you an example. We're, we're going to put in standards now. So I don't think it's good enough for someone to come in with back pain and leave when they don't have pain. I really don't think, you know, that can be having no pain can be a side effect of effective treatment, but I think there's probably better metrics. Like one, can you lift um, half your body weight off the floor five times for five reps? Can you do five reps at half a body weight deadlift with good form, no pain, good mechanics? That's a standard. So if you have back pain, you come in with back pain, you leave being able to lift your own, half your body weight off the floor for five reps. How long that takes, I don't know. Right? It's going to vary from person to person, and it's not come. It's not you're not only doing the work in the clinic. The bulk of the work, eighty percent of the work, is done not in the clinic. Right. But we'll teach you, okay, let's start by being able to hinge. Can you isolate movement at just your hip? Do you know what it feels like to put your spine in a neutral position, you know, within a neutral range? Do you know what it feels like to create tension across your midsection without holding your breath? Okay, now let's blend it all together. Create tension in your midsection, a.k.a. activate your core, bend at your hip, and I'll pick something off off the ground. Start very light. Now go heavier. Now go heavier. Okay, when you can deadlift your own body weight for five reps, half your body weight for five reps, you're good. And maybe you should keep doing these deadlifts a couple times a week for the rest of your life. Why? Because it's what's going to stop you from getting back pain again. So I think things like that, right, where – and it's hilarious because someone comes in with back pain, they can't even reach down to touch their, their like, kneecap sometimes without sharp, stabbing pain that puts them down on their knees. And you tell them, you're going to leave here, and you're going to be able to deadlift, lift half your body weight off the floor for five reps, and they just kind of look at you and shake their head. Like, I think at that point, they're like, this guy's full of shit. He's trying to sell me something. Yeah. Um, and then it happens, and people do it. And, it, it, like, 70-year-olds, you teach, you teach yeah. 70, 80, 80-year-olds how to deadlift. And I think it should be called the health lift instead of the deadlift, because deadlift yeah. sounds intimidating. Yes. But um, – what about but like, the beam? Do you get those older people on the beam? Oh, yeah. I get all old people on the beam. I get old people up and down off the floor. you got to show me that you can get up and down off the floor at least five times. Nice. Uh, and you got to be able to walk back and forth. The beam's a little bit aggressive for some older, <laughs> older people, um, but a two-by-four. <laughs> yeah. Everyone can buy a two-by-four, right? Everyone can go to Lowe's, buy a two-by-four of lumber, and walk back and forth without looking at their feet, uh, heel to toe, for about five minutes a day. Yeah. Like that falls risk protocol, super easy. <laughs> Walk back and forth on this beam and get up and down off the floor five times a day. Boom. You've just reduced your fall risk significantly. I don't have research to say that, but I'm pretty damn confident. And they're at least getting confidence from that at the very least, right? Yeah, exactly. Like simple stuff, right? Like why wasn't – same thing. Why wasn't that taught to us in, in physio school? I think, you know, why are we learning stuff that we learned 20 years ago when every month new shit comes out of how we can be more effective? Like it just – in the day of, in the day and age of the internet, how are we still being taught ultrasound parameters? That's what I want to know. It's like this own little bubble, the physio curriculum that has been untouched by technology or society or, you know, yeah, <laughs> real world treatment techniques for like I don't know how long. 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting how, like, you know, how that happens, you know, how it, how it is still going on. I, I mean, I don't mm-hmm. I know you don't have the answer, but it's just, to me, it's kind of just like, what, why, and who's deciding and, you know. Well, it's just this, it's this old system, power, right? right? Like, look at who's, look at the age group of the professors and the directors of the physio program. That, that's the answer right there, right? Those people aren't on Instagram. Most of those people aren't treating people, which I think, you know, like I said, I, those professors were amazing. And some of them like changed my lives and ter- changed my life in terms of being mentors and teaching me, uh, you know, things way beyond just curriculum stuff. But I think you need some young blood in there. You need someone that actually, you need someone that treats and, and it gets effects and you need not just research-based therapists. You need like clinical therapists, whether they're there as guest teachers or they're the ones helping to brainstorm on how the curriculum can be improved. Every single year, the curriculum should be updated. Why isn't it, right? Why is it, why is the curriculum based on this stupid, shitty exam that all physios have to do um, to, to get, to allow them to put the words MPG beside their name? Why isn't it based on how you actually get people better? This is, that's like the core question I think that has to be asked. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I know we're speaking in terms of like, like we all, we're, we're, we went to Western, you went to Western, but I think this is more than just, it's not just, this is, this is a worldwide problem. Or- oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I'm, I'm, I don't mean to pick on Western. I yeah. know, you know, like I said, we've done courses at McGill. We've done, we've done uh, courses at Western. We've done courses. I think people would agree with you from all, all across, you know. Yeah, exactly. It's the same everywhere. Yeah. So Western is probably actually one of the better ones because at least they have, um, you know, I found they had a really good focus on orthopedics. I just think it was, you know, what maybe not directed in the, in the most effective way. For sure. Yeah. So we, uh, we thought maybe we'll touch a little bit on some of the stuff you're doing with the foot collective. If you, if you want. Sure. Or... Yeah. So 2018, a couple of things going on. Uh, TSC shop is still humming along and that's going to remain the Canadian and international store. Uh, we're opening up TSC shop USA in the, Probably in like um, sometime in February, maybe start of March. So that'll be a USA specific uh, online store based in the US. Um, we get a lot of business, a lot of customers and a lot of purchases come from the US. So it's nice to have a US based company instead of having to ship things across the border all the time. Yeah. Uh, we got a seminar tour. So for 2018, we're, we have some seminars that we're booking uh, in March, March 3rd and 4th. We're in Beijing and Shanghai. So we're going over to Heading over to China. First nice. time I've ever been there, so that'll That's be interesting. Cool. That's cool. Um, end of the year, I'm going to be in Australia in December um, and Portugal in June. And uh, the, the Australian and Portugal locations haven't been um, scheduled yet. but And then we're going to start doing seminars out of our new Ottawa expanded area too. Uh, we got the footwear store opening in our Ottawa clinic potentially planning to implement some mobile shipping container stores that we can plop around uh, Ottawa and maybe Toronto. So there's a few things going on. We want to update and get on, uh, get on top of our content game a little bit more. So firing up more info on YouTube, um, upping our, our Instagram stuff. Um, podcast. Podcast. Yeah. So a bunch of things going on. It's kind of, will be a bit of a juggling game to put everything together, but I think, uh, you know, I think you got to set high goals to be able to fuel yourself to do more than what you thought you could do. So. For sure. You're not busy at all though, eh? No, man. No, my days. I'm just taking it easy. Yeah. yeah. I just twiddle my thumbs most days and, yeah, uh, just hope like things it. get done. Yeah. <laughs> no, I like to be busy. I think even Sick through school, I, I think <laughs> if I didn't have a lot on my plate, I didn't really do well. I think I, I definitely have ADD. Um, I definitely have some, you have high energy. I don't know. 
yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But I like it. I'm having fun. I'm enjoying it. I, th- I think I probably wouldn't be doing it if I didn't enjoy it. So, um, at least so far, I, I'm liking it. And Yeah. Yeah, man. Cool. We love it too, Nick. Yeah. Yeah. You awesome. guys are in a – yeah, I appreciate you guys spreading the word. You guys make awesome content. I love your Instagram stuff. Um, I definitely – yeah, I think you guys are on the right track. You know, you got an early start. You guys are progressive in how you're thinking about um, school. Uh, you, you know, not that our course is the be-all and end-all, but I think taking that gives you sometimes a different, like a shift in perspective, which if you can have that earlier on, I think it really opens up a, a, a different mindset as you go through your uh, rotations as part of school and as you start treating afterwards. So you guys have a super fun road ahead of you, and I'm excited for you. We just know the potential, and we want to actually try to make it happen. Cool, man. I think there needs to be more people like you. (laughs) Appreciate it. Thanks, man. Uh, Just kind of one last question to wrap it up. Um, Sure. So if you could go back to to the time when you were walking across that stage, graduating from Western University, getting your PT degree, Mm -hmm. you could offer yourself one piece of advice, whether it be career advice, life advice, whatever, what would you you tell yourself? Hmm. I've heard that question so many times on Ardella, and I never actually thought of how I would answer it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I don't know. I I think I'm pretty happy with the path I took. I think, uh, I did some things that, you know, looking back, I might not have done, but I don't know. I think by doing the things that I didn't want to have done probably were part of the puzzle of how I got to where I am right now. I think, uh, I probably would have practiced on myself more and been more open-minded and, and, uh, wanted to kind of nerd out of learning into learning a lot more. I would have read, I would have read Gray Cook's movement book that during school, if I knew about it and knew how important it was. So that's a big one I recommend. Um, and just having a physical practice and a reading practice. What I mean by that is, you know, 45 minutes a day, having a physical practice where you do, you know, maybe it's five days a week, but if possible, make it a priority every day, 45 minutes of some sort of physical practice. And that it doesn't have to be like going to the gym, lifting weights. It can literally be uh, a breathing practice. It can be a yoga practice, be meditation. It can be going outside for walks. It can be going for runs, whatever it is, 45 minutes a day of, of physical practice. And then about 30 minutes a day of a reading practice. So pick a book that you're into, uh, make sure it's shit you actually want to read. doesn't matter if it's fiction or nonfiction. I, I prefer to have hands-on, um, not hands up, but like practical books. I don't read fiction, but I like to read books by really people way smarter than me and try and learn from them. Yeah. So I think that probably would have, you know, allowed my evolution as a physical therapist to probably be, you know, a little bit quicker. Um, but, uh, but no man, just practice on yourself, discover what's effective by working on yourself. We, you know, as a student after physio school, your shoulders, your hips, your ankles, usually they're all destroyed. Mine were. And so it's kind of nice because by being forced to sit for six years, you have this blank slate of, you know, in yourself to work on and see what works and what doesn't. And then you can apply that to patients. And I think getting good at explaining how to, how to educate people on how to protect themselves from the main things that cause us to run into problems like sitting and footwear um, and knowing a little bit about diet and sleep because a lot of people aren't getting that information from elsewhere or they're getting shitty info on the internet. I think just knowing how to be a human therapist, that's I love it. Less an educator than anything. I think that's the road that physical therapy has to go down. And, and uh, I would have focused more on that probably initially. Awesome, man. Totally, totally agree with that statement. I think that's, that's definitely the approach we need to start taking and the mindset we need to adopt for sure to uh, start affecting a lot more people in a positive way. Cool. Cool, man. All right. Well, 
we appreciate having you on, man. Yeah, Taking the time. Fun. I know you're busy and Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. And I wish you guys all the best in your podcast. And maybe we'll do this again in uh, you know, maybe later on this year or next year and see where you guys are at. And I look forward to having another conversation after you guys have another year under your belt. So make it happen. Yeah, for sure. All cool. right, Nick. Thank you. No worries. See ya. See ya. All right, guys, that wraps up our episode with Nick from the Foot Collective. As you can see, he has very good insights into the physical therapy world and where we need to go with the profession, which is awesome, and that's what we wanted to get out. Um, so we're very thankful for having Nick on. Uh, we just wanted to give you guys a little bit of information in terms of where you can go find Nick. Um, so you can find him on Instagram, at the Foot Collective, as well as you can find him on his website, which uh, if you just search the Foot Collective, um, we'll, we'll put the link actually in our bio so you guys can uh, click on it, but you can go check out his website. That's where he has a lot more information on the foot health side of things, as well as the, uh, the avenue to his um, shop where you can purchase some of the shoes that he's uh, very much been pubbing um, through the uh, foot health movement. Um, in terms of where you guys can find us, you can find us on Instagram at the MVMTPTs, as well as uh, Facebook, the same tag, at the MVMPTs. And we just started our Twitter page, which we really want to get going because we're going to be using um, it as a way to connect you guys for the podcast. So please go follow us on Twitter, at the MVMTPTs. Uh, shoot us a tweet. Let us know what you guys think. Give us some feedback. Um, we, we want to look to connect with you guys on there, get some questions that you guys want answered from the people that we have on. Uh, we're kind of feeling it out. It's new. It's a new platform to us, but we're uh, hoping to get some good quality stuff out. Um, you can find our podcast on iTunes. So if you search the PT Coffee Cast, if you guys enjoyed the podcast, please, the one thing that we ask you is that you give us a, subs a subscription and toss us a, a comment, give us some feedback, whatever you guys think we need to do better, what you guys liked. Uh, it's really important for us to get some feedback on that and to help grow our podcast as well. If you did enjoy it, please just share it with one person. Uh, pick one of your friends, shoot them a message and be like, hey, there's a couple of guys talking about physical therapy, drinking coffee. They sound pretty cool. Let them know um, that we got some good information coming out. So that's all we got for today, guys. Thank you very much for listening. And we will see you next time. Cheers.